We continue our series today that we began two weeks ago, The Walk That Changed the World, wherein we're following the Lord Jesus Christ, beginning in Matthew 11, where he turned his face toward Jerusalem for the last time. And when he turned his face toward Jerusalem for that last time, he spoke to the disciples there, you'll recall, and told them what was awaiting him. And it was actually the third time that he said, what awaits me is a beating, betrayal, and a crucifixion, my death, burial. Three days later, I'll rise again. Last week, Michael picked up that story and continued it on to and through Jericho. And you recall that we went and met a man named Bartimaeus, blind. And as Michael said, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, received his visual sight, but he received far more than that because the son of Timaeus put his faith in, you remember, the son of David. And so he received his salvation through his faith. Today we pick up the story in Mark's gospel as we have been tracing this walk and we enter Jerusalem. You all, this is the beginning of Holy Week, uh, the Passion Week, the week of Christ's suffering. And as Mark describes it and as we often know it, this is the triumphal entry. If you have your Bibles, open them to the gospel of Mark chapter 11. Follow along as I read verses 1 through 11. Mark 11, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. They went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street and they untied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing? Untying the colt. They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them and they gave them permission. They brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their coats in the road, and others spread leafy branches, palms, Palm Sunday, which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Lord save Save now, this was their cry. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve since it was already late. The triumphal entry is, is a bit of a misnomer, is it not? I mean, it seems this is the triumph, but we know what the week will hold. And so we know just a few days later, those who said, Hosanna, 
will be saying what come Friday? Crucify, crucify him. And I just want to say this about this little vignette, this little story that Jesus, that we see in the text when Jesus sends them to get the colt. You know, in another account of this uh, story, Jesus says, you're going to find a man walking with water on his shoulder. You just think, how does he? I want to suggest that this little vignette is there in part to tell us as the chaos ensues, as the weak utterly falls apart, as injustice and inhumanity and cruelty reign, God is in control. Just a picture to remind us in the chaos that's coming out of this week, God the Father is ordering these events planned from before time began to culminate in this moment that God reigns and God rules. And can I say this? It will be God the Father's hand that will be stained with God the Son's blood at the end of this week. What we are doing today is we're going to walk through this final week and we're going to land on Good Friday. This is our Good Friday service. Of course, Palm Sunday is, is today, but we, we, we recognize it and we're looking forward to Good Friday and we will we will celebrate our Good Friday in these moments. And you may ask, well, Lord, why, do you, why are we celebrating Good Friday on Palm Sunday? Well, there's a practical, there's a practical answer to that, and, and it's, it's this. We so believe that in order to celebrate Easter, in some measure commensurate with what the Lord deserves, that we've got to enter into the darkness of Good Friday in the Passion Week. And in doing it this way, we think it enables us to prepare ourselves for Easter Sunday. And when we've done Good Friday, and by the way, we have on, on Good Friday, only about a fourth of us can get here on Friday. I do want you to know that at Fellowship Franklin, we're going to do a Good Friday service at Friday evening if you would like to attend. But we want to do it now so that everyone can walk in this experience. And along those lines, when you came in, uh, you received a booklet. Michael wrote this a few years back. Just an excellent resource that walks us through the events of the Passion Week. Day, starting today, day by day, theologically, historically, scripture to read, prayers to pray devotions to practice all the way through the week. So if you did not get one, I want to encourage you to grab that as you leave. And then secondly, I'm just so excited about this. Uh, Christy Condor, who writes our children's curriculum, uh, teamed up with the uh, children's ministry team along with communications and has produced a children's version of this Passion Week devotion. I mean, it's beautifully done, biblically solid, and can I say, easy and fun to do. Uh, you will receive the booklet, a timeline, 
along with stickers that your kids can use to track the events of this week. And so if you have children in the Learning Center, let me encourage you to go by the Learning Center lobby and you can pick that up. It's one per family, okay? One per family. We'd like you to have that uh, in your hands. What we're about to do is called a tenebrae service. Tenebrae means shadows. And it's our opportunity to enter into the shadows of Passion Week and Good Friday. It's why you walked in today and it was darker. It's why we sang the songs that we just sang. The tenebrae invites us, if I can say it this way, not just to be mindful of the Passion Week, but can I say to experience it? To get it from here, in here, can I say to feel it? To, to, to feel the weight that it cost God the Father and God the Son to secure our salvation. It's primarily a reading, so you'll be listening, but it's a reading of the Word of God. We'll be going through the account as it's written in John's Gospel, John 18 and 19. And then I'm going to grab a little portion in this reading of Psalm 22. And if you've ever wondered, when Jesus hung on the cross, he was alive on the cross. And you thought, what was going through his mind? What was he feeling? Y'all, Psalm 22 tells us. Almost a thousand years earlier, King David pens the messianic psalm. Prophetically speaking, the heart of Jesus who would hang on that cross. And so we hear and we feel what he felt as we read that portion of the reading. We're going to begin with confession. We're going to confess to one another. We're then going to go into the Lord's table because this is where the week begins. And Jesus takes a meal they've celebrated for hundreds of years. And it, it, the significance changes in this moment. Even as we celebrate it, it reflects that. Uh, you will have a part in the reading. You see, I talked about experiencing this. This means we join the story. And so when I'm reading of the trial, and I'll be doing this part of the reading, when I'm doing the reading of the trial, I will say leading up to, and the Jews said, and I'll raise my arm like this, and that's a signal to you that some words are going to come up on the screen for you to read out loud in unison. We're also going to end in a different way. Tony Wood, one of our elders, will join me in the Tenebrae readings. And even as you came in quietly, reflectively, we're going to ask that you leave that way. And so when you see Tony and myself, the end, as we step down these stairs and walk out those doors, that's your signal to rise quietly reflectively, and to walk out of this worship center without speaking to one another, 
until you have exited and you are out of the building. And we do all of this because when we come in these doors a week from today, in order for our joy, and I, I want you to wa- see me as I, as I do this, in order for our joy to rise to the heights of the joy of the resurrection, we must first plumb the depths of the sorrow our sin brings. And today, we begin to plumb those depths. We'll begin this way. Would you stand, please? And rather than greeting one another, I'm going to invite you to confess sin to one another. And you go, well, you don't know what I've done. I'm not going to name sins. But what we do know is that the scripture says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's true of me. It's true of you. So what I want you to do in these next few moments is turn to three people And you'll say to them, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You'll turn to another, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Three people will confess that truth and reality to. Would you do that now? Now, what we have just said to one another is true. And would you carry this through the whole service? The Bible says our sin deserves what? Our sin deserves death. That's the wage of sin that we've all learned. Turn your attention to the side screens. Having spoken to one another, let's speak congregationally as a family of this common confession. Out loud, together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. 
that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. You may be seated. Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 disciples. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say that one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. And while they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The ushers would come forward and pass out the elements for the Lord's table. If you've placed your faith in Christ, I invite you to participate in this practicing of the Lord's table. I want you to hold the cup and I want you to hold the bread until we take them together in just a few moments. And I will invite you as you hold the cup and you hold the bread to be mindful that on this evening, that which they had practiced for hundreds of years takes on new meaning and significance. The lambs which are being prepared to be slaughtered to cover over their sin for the year. It's represented in this blood and the cup, but it's not the animals. It's the very one serving them this bread, his body broken. This cup, his blood shed. Did they get it? Not fully. Do we get it on this side of the cross? Maybe not as fully as we ought. But would you sit with these and pray, Lord, by your spirit, help me to know what it cost the Lord Jesus, what it cost you, God the Father, to save me. And rescue me from my sin. Hold those elements and we'll take them together in a moment. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness 
over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward to thy glorious rest above. Lord Jesus, as we sit with your disciples on this evening and you say, this is my body. We know that you say it with a deep, deep, unmeasured and boundless love. We thank you. Take and eat the bread. Father, we recognize that in the Lord Jesus Christ, serving this meal and instituting what we know as the Lord's table, This cup represents his blood. Not the blood of bulls and goats, which covered sin for a time, but the blood of your only son, sinless, pure, holy, and righteous. And even as Jesus said, this blood is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And we sit grateful having trusted Christ, his blood sufficient to cleanse us from all sin and clothe us in righteousness. We say thank you. Take and drink. I was with him when he rode into town. The crowds gathered round him like a king Their smiling faces Joined a sea of branches waving Though they were masquerading in the end And my heart rose in my throat When I heard them sing Hosanna In the highest We went upstairs the bread and drank the wine 
From the only living vine that we would taste And I watched them Take him up the mountainside Where he was crucified Though innocent And they mocked him And cursed him with their mouths And told him to come down If he was God And my heart broke in my chest when I heard him say, forgive them, it is finished. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron, where there was a garden in which he entered with his disciples. Now Judas also, who was betraying him, knew the place, for Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Judas then, having received the Roman cohort and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. So Jesus, knowing all things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus, the Nazarene. He said to them, 
I am he. And Judas also who was betraying him was standing there with them. So when he said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Therefore he again asked them, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these go their way to fulfill the word which he spoke. Of those whom you have given me, I lost not one. Simon Peter, then having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. And the slave's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put the sword into the sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? So the Roman cohort and the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, whom was high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, Are you not also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. And I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. And when he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if rightly, then why do you strike me? So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, Are you not also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it once more, and immediately the rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early. And they themselves did not enter the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, So Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, 
to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying by which kind of death he was about to die. Therefore, Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews! And to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold, the man... So when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate said, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you? And I have authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar's. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the pavement, 
but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. So they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he then handed him over to be crucified. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part for every soldier and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven and in one piece. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. And this was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy, O oh you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. But I am a worm, and not a man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me, they separate with the lip, they wag the head, saying, Commit yourself to the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A 
band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture, not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. <clears throat> 